I sensed that it was my pseudo self that was contemplating that life. Why? Why do I say that? So to me, the pseudo self is something that is conditioned by our childhood and the people around us and the adults in our lives and what we get praised for. But it's not really the purest form of desire coming from our own hearts. Welcome to Wiseish. On this show, we combine modern neuroscience with ancient wisdom so you can master your emotions, heal your relationships, and pass on a legacy that you're proud of. I'm your host, Dr. Kavita. I'm a Harvard-trained physician and a double board certified psychiatrist. And my passion is to teach you the tools that help me create the life of my dreams. Let's get started. Well, hello, hello, my friends. How are you guys doing? I hope you're having a great week. We are at the tail end of a heat wave here in California. And um, we're in Palo Alto. And apparently there is never a heat wave, quote unquote, here. So the house we're renting here in Palo Alto does not have air conditioning. And friends, it's been minimum 95 degrees, sometime in the 110s in the last few days. So we are toasting but we're at the tail end of the heat wave is what I'm told. So really looking forward to the end of that. I wanted to talk to you today about this concept of pseudo self versus your true self. And this idea came to me to share this with you because in the last two weeks, I've been speaking to at least three different clients who have been struggling to do what they say they want to do, okay? And this is not an uncommon problem, right? Many of us struggle to do what we say we want to do, including myself. Consistency is something that I am still working on. It's one of the ways that my own past trauma shows up in my current life, and it is um, a growth opportunity for me at this time. And growth opportunities are often uncomfortable, right? So I get it. A lot of us struggle with that. However, what I hear in the mental health or personal development space is often only one side of the solution. And that side is about pushing forward, doing it anyway, eat the frog, do the hard thing, right? Um, Sort of like your procrastination is coming from your mind, your laziness, You just need to push through it and do what you said. And I think there is so much value in that. Absolutely. It is 50% of the solution, right? So there is tremendous value in that. And I think part of it is being able to feel sensations instead of getting caught up in the story behind feelings, because feelings and emotions are actually physical sensations at the end of the day. And learning how to be with those physical sensations rather than get up caught up in the story allows us or at least gives us a little bit more um, freedom and space to do the thing that we said we would do. So that's definitely very valuable. However, there is another part of this equation, and that is 
the thing that you are saying you want may not be coming from your true authentic self. It may be coming from a socialized pseudo self. And a part of you, the deepest, wisest part of you, likely has a hint that that is the case. Because when we are struggling to do what we said we would do, sometimes it's our authentic self's way of putting on the brakes so that we don't hurdle towards a future that is not in alignment with our values or our own desires or our highest selves. And that is very, very important to keep in mind and to examine before just going down the path of goal setting and doing the work anyway and eating the frog and all of that. I'll give you an example. In my own life, when I was in med school, right, I um, loved ophthalmology and did really well in ophthalmology. My dad was a eminent ophthalmologist, ophthalmic surgeon, retinal surgeon was um, his subspecialty. And um, he came from abject poverty and built a mini empire of sorts and was very highly regarded in Southeast Asia, really, for his surgical skills and academic skills. Um, just hugely successful man. And I grew up in his shadow in some ways. I want to say shadow and light. There's two parts to growing up, watching somebody be that successful. I remember being even nine years old and sitting with him late at night while he was using a slide projector to um, rehearse a talk that he was about to give. And I was maybe eight or nine. And I remember even then learning about words like the cornea and the retina, things that I had no idea what they meant, were part of my vocabulary very early on. So it induced in me a love for the subject, as well as an appreciation and love for physics, because the lens of the eye is a lot about physics. So I was very good at ophthalmology in med school. And obviously, it was the air that I was breathing all through my childhood, the water that I was swimming in. Part of it was because I was just really good at physics. And part of it was also that I wanted to please my dad. In any case, I graduated the ophthalmology portion of medical school with distinction, which is the highest grade that you can get. And um, had I taken ophthalmology as my field of study, right, I would have been happy. I loved it. However, when I tried to convince myself to pursue that as me, as the long-term goal, I just kept self-sabotaging, postponing, not doing it. And looking back, it was my inner voice telling me that this is not the path that would create the life that felt most authentic to me. And I'm really glad for those hints of pause, if you will, from my subconscious. 
I didn't know that that was what was happening then. I just knew that my love for psychiatry was much more powerful and a desire to study it, to get deeper into neuroscience and to be pulled forward by that was something that I didn't have to plan or make myself do. It just sort of flowed out of me. And although I loved ophthalmology, just as much as I loved neuroscience, right, just in terms of the brain versus the anatomy and physiology of the eye, I loved both of them equally. But one was pulling me forward. The other one, it was kind of like trying to start a rusty old engine. I just had such a hard time getting it going. And finally, I decided to give in, if you will, to my higher desire for psychiatry. And it caused a lot of upheaval because my dad really wanted, really wanted for me to take over this mini empire that he had created. And he was devastated. And it really um, damaged our relationship for many, many years, in fact. Took us a long time to come back from that. And I knew that that would happen. And yet, there was a point in which I could see that that was the path of my true self and ophthalmology and everything that it entailed, even though it would have been easier in many ways because my dad had so many connections and my training would have been, you know, easier and I would have had access to the brightest surgical and academic minds and ophthalmology in the world, right? Even though it would have been easier in some ways, I sensed that it was my pseudo self that was contemplating that life. Why? Why do I say that? So to me, the pseudo self is something that is conditioned by our childhood and the people around us and the adults in our lives and what we get praised for, but it's not really the purest form of desire coming from our own hearts. So if I had taken ophthalmology, right, I would have pleased my dad, which means I would have gotten patted on the back for my capacity to follow through in his footsteps and to, um, you know, the academic success that would, would have come from that, all of that, that I had actually gotten used to receiving, <laughs> right? Part of why I went to med school was for that reason. And so I thrived on that and had been trained to want that. And I, in turn, had trained my dad to receive pleasure from me in that way, right? So for both of us, there was a strong pull to want to feel that sort of validation from one another. There was also the accolades that I would have received from following in my dad's footsteps as a elder child in southern India is supposed to do. It's sort of considered the duty of the eldest child to support your parents in whatever way, including professionally, right? And so everybody around me, except for my closest, closest friends, a lot of my relatives and a lot of people that were important to me, actually, uh, really wanted me to take ophthalmology because they also thought it was a straight, easy path. I was good at it and it would help my dad. I mean, it was a no-brainer, right? So I would have gotten accolades and the sense of 
um, playing out my destiny, which is a very powerful feeling. So the third thing I would have gotten is financial reward much earlier in my life. The fourth thing is the ease with which I could have, as I said, accessed resources and the best people and travel to reach the best people and all of the things that come with that. But notice all of that is to do with societal expectations of what success actually looks like in my culture at the time that I was being raised. It also would have come with the downside, which is I would have had to stay in my hometown. I would have had to give up a lot of my own identity in other areas of my life in order to fit in, right? If I'm going to stay there, I'm going to try to make it as frictionless as possible. If I'm making one decision to make it less friction, then I'm going to follow it up with many other decisions that reduce friction, right? So I had to be willing to move toward what might have been friction it was it was friction in many ways for a few years in order to follow the purest desire from my heart and when i did that although many other things were hard the capacity to focus and do well in my chosen field of psychiatry was never an issue for me so i just want to offer that we want to not just be flogging ourselves into productivity and doing what we would say we would do and following through and hitting our goals and targets. While all of that is helpful, it's equally valid, if not actually more important to pause and ask yourself, is the life that would be created out of this action one that is in alignment with my values and my desires and my highest self. Does it excite me? Does it make me a little bit nervous and yet alive? And if the answer is no, or I'm not sure, then that may be the reason that you are dragging your feet and procrastinating and postponing and self-sabotaging. And I think these moments can be fork in the road kind of moments that you either just blindly push through in order to continue with your pseudo self and please the societal expectations that you have trained yourself to respond to, right? There's a dopamine reward system to be and play the role that you were conditioned to play. And if you are moving towards that, then you may still push through. You may still hit that reward or that goal, but you will end up with a life that feels little blah and not deeply alive. And to me, there are, there are two sacrifices possible, right? There's the early sacrifice of being willing to face some friction in order to move towards your heart's desire, or you go with the, your pseudo self, but you have to face friction later in your future for a much longer time. And I think that is important to keep in mind. So I've been talking to my clients 
about first, let's figure out using the emotional freedom formula, what your values are, what your highest self and your purest desire is, and whether this goal is actually in alignment with that. Only then does it make sense to learn to sit with the discomfort and push through and uh, do the hard thing and attain the goal and be more focused and productive and all of those things. Again, they are 50% of the solution, so very, very valuable. But if you don't have the foundation where you have made sure that this is really what you want, you're going to just shoot yourself in the foot later. So that's what I wanted to share with you guys today. If there's something in your life or you know of someone who's making a decision in an area of their lives, whether it's to do with career or relationship, whether they should stay or leave a relationship, whether um, they're debating something with regard to parenting or money or whatever it is, maybe it's you, maybe it's somebody you know, share with them this episode because I can recall at least three or four moments that I call fork in the road moments like this, where had I listened to the pull of the pseudo self, I would have really regretted it. So I hope that was helpful to you. Think about what do I actually want? Where is my desire pulling me? Is that in relation? What is that telling me about my values? How can I live in a way that is in alignment with my values that makes me come alive? That is a little bit nerve wracking because anything that you do to push against your societal conditioning is going to feel a little bit anxiety provoking. If it feels super predictable and easy, you're likely just following a pre-prescribed path. So with that, I would love to hear from you in the reviews. If you found this helpful, please give us a review. You just scroll down, go to the main page of the podcast, scroll down, and there is a review section. It helps other people find this podcast and helps the podcast grow. So please do us that favor and give us a review. I love you guys. Here's to your true authentic self. And I will talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for spending time with me today. I hope that you enjoyed the show and that you're leaving with some great takeaways and maybe even some breakthroughs. If you're ready to master these tools and apply them to your life, come join us in Mastery. It's our monthly membership program where we help you customize these tools to your life. Plus, we coach you and support you along the way. You can get all the details at bit.ly forward slash masters of fate. That's one word, no space, masters of fate. bit.ly forward slash masters of fate. The link is in the show notes. I hope to see you there.